this is Desi and welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. So I am super excited for my guest today. I am actually in LA for the Together One Heart Badass Do-Gooders event and I have met some incredible women and one of them being Anna Lynn McCord. She is best known for 90210 and Nip Tuck. She actually has a foundation called Together One Heart. She has been working with them for 10 years and took over as president actually three years ago. So welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. So will you kind of first start off by telling us a little bit more about the program Together One Heart? Absolutely. So I've been working with the program for 10 years. I took over as president of Together One Heart three years ago. We have a full program, rescue, rehabilitation, reintegration into society. So there are a lot of programs that will focus on the rescue operation or the judicial side or, you know, different programs without necessarily having the fully fledged thing that we have, which mm-hmm. is really a lot to do with the founder, Somali mom, who was a trafficking survivor herself. So she okay. obviously knows what they need. She's right. incredible. She was sold at 12 years old for 10 years in Cambodian brothels. Escaped, got out, got educated, came back and started rescuing girls from the same brothel she was sold in. Has rescued over 7,000 girls since the mid-90s. She's my hero and she also happens to be my best friend, which I feel very lucky to have both of those in one person. But yes, so so she does the the on-the-ground, boots-on-the-ground work and we raise funds and global awareness. We have partners in Switzerland, uh, in Lausanne, Geneva. We have another partner in Sydney, Australia, Selena Foundation in Switzerland, mm-hmm. Project Futures in Australia. All of us raise funds for the same ground team in Cambodia. I've worked with programs around the world, Africa, Haiti. I've never seen an organization that so efficiently and effectively knows how to deal with the long-term effects of severe trauma. So mm-hmm. it's about creating sustainability. It's about giving these young women and girls the hope of actually having a real life, you mm-hmm. know, after trauma. So we do, you know, higher education, we do apprenticeship programs. We have a lot of girls who own their own salons and they do hair and makeup and it's kind of really full circle that if you look good, you feel good. Mm-hmm. Them being able to spread the beauty in the world, you know, when they felt like they came from such a dirty place. Right. The lotus flower is a symbol for us, you know, it's a flower that grows in the not the best of, you know, mm-hmm. most attractive of places. And so they're all my little lotus flowers. Oh, I love that. They're all my little heroes, my own Sarai, little sisters. But yeah, so so every year I go at Christmas, we try to bring groups. Um, we bring Christmas presents and school supplies. And uh, obviously after taking over as president, I go there a lot more than just at Christmas. Um, right. Any excuse to go there, so whenever you want to go, let me know. Girl, I'm down. <laughs> Next trip, I already told the Unleashed Girls, I'm like, when you go, I am going. So don't worry. And that's supposed to be actually in October, which we'll announce yes. soon about that Next later year. on. Yes. Yeah. So that is amazing. And can you kind of tell us why you decided to be a part of it? Yes. As I like to say, I got involved because I'm such an amazing person. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, which but you are. You, oh, yeah. I'm so fantastic. <laughs> um, no, but I think... A lot of times when people get involved, they get involved for different reasons. There's mm-hmm. the 501c3 aspect. It's a good, nice tax write-off. Right. If you want to, you know, help your tax situation at the end of the yeah. year, donate some money to some kids and tell everyone you're a great person. I I was in a period when I was actually being offered 90210 and 
I said no to the show because I was having what I call a young life crisis. Mm. <laughs> I got my midlife crisis out of the way early is what yeah. I always say. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not waiting for a midlife crisis. I'm having this, this crisis right, right now. now. <laughs> I'm 20, 20 years old. Oh my God. Um, I was like, I'm not going to be an actress anymore. I'm leaving LA. I'm moving back to New York. I'm going to work at Starbucks and find a new passion. This is not my town. And I was just, I was kind of struggling. I'm a Southern girl from Atlanta. I moved to New York at 15 years old and had like a New York edge with my Southern hospitality. So I'm like one extreme to the other, but both are like sassy and feisty energies. And then in LA, it's like, hi, like I'm a Bali girl. (laughs) No, it's not all that, but there is a lot of- Very much. People, yeah, (laughs) people will talk about how, you know, straightforward New Yorkers are in in juxtaposition to how kind of- Mm fake LA yeah. can be and I think that I just I, I I didn't fit in and I wouldn't conform so I was an outcast and I am fine I'm, I've always been an outcast in different capacities I'm very cool with that I like going against the grain mm-hmm. that's definitely a defining characteristic of mine but at this moment in my life my little crisis was that I just thought that I just had chosen the wrong path and I just was so unhappy and I was being offered the show and I grew up in a trailer park. Mm-hmm. You can't dangle money in front of me. And like I, I lived on ramen noodles. Like right. I don't need your money. Right. I'm not happy. I'm leaving. This mm-hmm. is not success. Happiness is success. Mm-hmm. Finances is a nice little icing on top, right? Right. So everyone's freaking out. Like my agents are like, "This is your big break. Are yeah. you crazy?" And I'm like, "I don't want to be an actress anymore. I'm going to find <laughs> something better to do." Um, I'm really not sure why I become British in order to do that, but it happens. It's okay. My British side comes out or my Southern side comes out on like, which yeah. I'm not even Southern, but I have a Southern side apparently. I'm not British. So. Maybe in another life I was Southern. I don't know. There you go. So everyone's freaking out, um, but the network thought I was negotiating. So they raised the, you know, the fee. Oh, wow. And then I said no again. I was like, do they not know how to take no for an answer? I said no. And they raised the money again. And they finally like go to the head of the network and they're like... Can we can we approve this number for us to go to her? I mean, it was like a ridiculous thing. I was, and I was just like, they don't get what I'm saying. I learned some really crucial negotiating mm-hmm. techniques at that time, um, but I just it wasn't for me. And I called my old acting partner, who's been my friend since I was 17, mm-hmm. and I was having my little sob story about how unhappy I was, and I was leaving, and I was coming back to New York, so I'd be seeing her very soon. And she was like, you are an idiot. <laughs> and she's always like, I never said that because she's like big on words. And I was like, that was the energy you gave right. me like a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just like, you have such a platform. Are you crazy? Like, and she was involved with an anti-human trafficking calls. And she had educated me on the issue when I was 17 in New York, trying to break even and like, you know, barely right. survive. But the stories were, I mean, had a visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. When I heard them, I just... I, I, About the sex trafficking? The sex trafficking. Okay. Like, sex trafficked children, just... just I couldn't, yeah. right? And I think most people have that feeling, but it was... I would come to find out much more profound for me. So, mm-hmm. I... Uh, I definitely connected to it, but what could I do at 17 was my outlook at the time. And it was something that... This was, you know... What? How old am I? <laughs> this was not a short period of time ago. Right. Like 15 years ago. And so when I called her and talked to her, she's like, you have to use this as a platform. Here's what we can do. Uh, we, not long after that, I ended up taking the show. I 
told my publicist and everyone, I was like, I'll do this, but you better let me, any press that we do, I want to talk about this issue. And I, and I did, and people cut all of my segments out because it was too dark to talk about. So I learned through the years to focus on the work we do and the outcome for the girls and stuff. But now, thankfully, people actually know about it, they understand it, and mm-hmm. I can speak about it in more detail. But the the big thing for me was kind of the connector, right? So I got on this plane to Cambodia with Jess, my friend from New York, who incidentally started an organization called I'll Go First, which okay. is pretty self-explanatory, right. but survivor of abuse. And she realized in telling her story how, the impact that it had because she decided to go first and, and how people you know felt the shame was removed mm-hmm. once she had told her story. And so it empowers people to, not unlike your podcast, to tell stories. So she came with me, we went to Cambodia, I thought I was going to go be a good person, and the girls turned my world upside down, they saved me a million times over, they have continued to do so. I was, uh, I realized that there was a big connection, I was sexually assaulted when I was 19 years old, and I thought, you know, oh, this is so personal to me because of that, and and I, you know, it was, it became a healing thing, and I had all of these crazy, you know trauma symptoms and then and outside eyes looking in might see more than you know just one incident Mm -hmm. i only knew that one incident and so i started doing the work on the rape that i knew about and the girls showed me forgiveness self-love i'm like i'm from georgia we don't forgive we blow people up like Mm -hmm. they're hurting these little girls we're gonna come in there after them and you know the girls like no sister we don't kill the trafficker we forgive them and i'm like no sister doesn't forgive them no 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 no. i don't i don't do that no no forgiveness is not on the docket no um um, but they they showed me that one of the things i say a lot is that these former enslaved showed me how enslaved i was Mm -hmm. in my thought systems in my beliefs about myself rigidity in the world and and how i had to follow these rules and and relationships were really pretty at the time perceivably quite brutal for me and i went on to do all of you know thousand self-help books later 900 billion hours of meditation and i was like i'm fixing myself and i can (laughs) you know tell everyone how to fix themselves but i still if you looked closely at my life i still had cycles of really bad relationships and they actually weren't getting better they were getting worse Mm. so in august of 2018 while undergoing ptsd treatment emdr eye Mm. movement desensitization and reprocessing the number one treatment for ptsd victims war veterans it became popularized for victims of domestic abuse and sexual abuse and i had these memories of childhood being physically abused in the sense that the quote-unquote discipline was Mm -hmm. beyond excessive and absolutely anybody who hits a kid like you better make sure it doesn't happen in front of me because you i've I've gone off on people in public like i i I go mama bear (laughs) so uh, it's it's legalized violence towards children it's Mm -hmm. insane uh and i always ask the question so your husband comes home, you didn't finish dinner on time. He can hit you, right? Like, I mean, obviously, like you should have had dinner already. And everyone's like, what? Of course not. And I'm like, but like, I mean, let's think about it. Like yeah. he, you to- he told you what time he wanted dinner and you didn't have it done. So, I mean, he can hit you a little bit, right? Right. Are you crazy? Like, <laughs> sounds unheard of. And I was like, oh, okay. 
So your husband, who you guys are, you know, he's a little bigger than you, but probably not that much. Mm-hmm. He can't hit you, but you two grown adults can hit a small child and that's okay? Right. It's a spanking. No, it's hitting. Oh, and then those same two parents will go on to say, um, Susan, don't hit. Yeah. Hits Susan to tell Susan not to hit. Right. What? There's this crazy, crazy lack of logic right. in this primitive way that children are treated around the world and no one thinks it's wrong mm-hmm. even the kids who were spanked are like well i mean i deserve no, no one deserves to be hit right i will hit you to tell you how much you don't deserve to be hit <laughs> i will slap you i will tell slap you, slap you. Slap someone else <laughs> exactly um it's just it's like you know it's like dr king said you know killing never stops killing mm-hmm. darkness doesn't cast out darkness hate doesn't cast out hate so so i had this you know memory of this and and I thought that I was working through all these things. I had forgiven my parents. I had confronted them and done all this stuff. And as young as at 18, I mean, it, it was pretty, pretty crazy. And then <laughs> here I am thinking I'm all good. And um, I read a book that instantly I would not touch. It was a friend of mine who's a neuroscientist. And he had asked me, kept asking me, did you read my book? Did you read my book? I want to hear your out. And I just couldn't pick up the book. And I read four books a week. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm prolific when it comes to reading. I would not touch this book, Desi. Why? What was the first reaction when you saw the book to the reason why you didn't want to touch it? That's the thing. There was no reason. Okay. And that's what people don't understand. Our brains are so intelligent that they have a consciousness that accesses information that we can't fathom and we can't measure yet. 2,000 years ago, we couldn't measure the future we would have. They certainly didn't know we were going to have iPhones, right? Mm -hmm. There are things that we can't yet measure. Mm -hmm. And just because we can't measure them doesn't mean they're not happening, right? right? So, and and I've gone on to have the same issue, like the same thing happen every session I've had with EMDR when I was going to cancel my appointment. I was like, you know, I don't really feel like going today. That was when I had the biggest breakthrough. Something like really heavy happened, but I also got through it. The only way past it is through it. Right. So your brain like gives you some type the, of warning. The brain is like it's doing anything. Yesterday I was in my EMDR treatment. And I started. I like subconsciously just pulling the blanket towards me. I kind of leaned back on the couch. I was yawning, and my doctor was like, "You don't want to talk about this. Your body's trying to shut you this down. She's trying to make you go to sleep." You're mm. yawning. You're. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy." The body, like the brain. It is a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. It does not care about quality of life. It only cares about continuing to live and mm-hmm. breathe, right? right? And that's something that we have to realize when we talk about trauma. So all of that to say this, I go, I, I finally, uh, my friend was like, <laughs> I couldn't avoid the message anymore. It was on WhatsApp, so you can tell when it's been read or not. Yeah. So I was like, oh, then he knows I haven't read it yet. So it's like <laughs> I haven't seen it. Come on, everybody has their phone all day long. You're posting right. on Instagram. You're like, I so, know you have it. Like, it's like when someone you, doesn't answer your text message, and you're like, it says red. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. It's like, I, oh, I just saw this lie again. Yeah, exactly. So, so finally, he messaged again. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I sat there one morning, and I read in Four hours, I read through the whole book, like like just poured through it. And at the very end, he talks about going through EMDR. And so it was something I, I've, in those seven years of studying meditation stuff, one of my massive, huge affinity for neuroscience. I'm obsessed with the brain. Mm-hmm. So 
he talks about going undergoing EMDR and he talks about this body memory that came back from infant like like preverbal memory and it was burning in his groin and like that area and my groin area started burning when I read it and I was like I've been severely numb. Like I used to cut up my arms. I was suicidal. I would cut to feel, not for a release. Right. And so I had to have crazy, insane sex because I just was like, "Are you in?" No. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> so mean. Um, yeah. Sometimes it was like that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but for the, I have a morbid sense of humor too, so I bring humor into it because it's it's also you know one of the ways it's saved my yeah. you know mind uh, and my life. But I, I had to keep upping the ante because I didn't feel my neck down. I was just so disassociative. And mm. I didn't even know the word disassociation or what it would mean, but that's what it was. And you so, liked that, like you said, with all the pain and stuff, it's, you liked that feeling. because I liked feeling anything at right, all. Right, exactly. Because it's a pretty isolated, cold existence to not feel. And any type of self-harm, I think a lot of people have asked me this before. It's like, well, why did you cut? Well, why, did you, why were you bulimic? Why did you do those things? Because it was because it was so much something. fun. It right. was like so because much fun. I was fun. bored. I was like, you know what? It's a Tuesday. Why not throw up? Like, well, there's what? nothing on TV. <laughs> exactly. But no, it's like it's true because, like you said, I did it because I wanted to feel something. Yeah. You know what I mean? A not, sense of control. Exactly. A sense of, yeah. The only thing I control. That's exactly what I even said in my episode that I talked about my eating disorder and self harm was, I had no control of anything in my life except for that, and so I was gonna do. All of it. Even if it was this, if I was killing myself, it doesn't matter because it was on my terms. Absolutely. And it is important for listeners to know that a lot of times when you see anorexia and bulimia, it very, very often relates to early life sexual mm-hmm. abuse. Exactly. So on that note, <laughs> I went into my third session of EMDR, two intake sessions, and this would be my first actual treatment. Was rehashing a memory that was kind of like a frozen image lodged in my brain. So I had a few... Our memories are moving pictures, right? Mm -hmm. There is something curious about a frozen image. I didn't know that at the time, but anyone listening should be aware. If you have frozen images, there's something that's missing. There's something that's blocked out oftentimes. So we were looking at this image and diving into it with EMDR, which is bilateral activation of the temporal lobes. Here's my nerd self coming out. (laughs) It means that both lobes are activated at the exact same time, and it allows you this kind of manipulation of the memory it desensitizes eye movement to the memory which they're linked typically so it allows you to bring your conscious brain into a memory where you probably would have shut down not only your conscious brain but maybe your consciousness itself okay so i had this memory of about 17 feet from my little self and i thought that it was something else my brain made an entirely different story around it And when I went under EMDR and looked at it, all of a sudden I started, my logical brain was able to look at it. And I'm like, this is, why are my clothes off? Why is this, why is this person, you know, touching me like, wait, Mm -hmm. no, this is, wait. And, And it was, the whole memory flooded. I popped the bubble on, on the, what, what I would find out would be, you know, 30 years of hidden trauma, sexual abuse as a child that, that went on for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because I, all of a sudden my whole life made sense. I mean, when, when it first hit, I was like, 
everybody's strong rock right before mm-hmm. I was like shattered I everything was I I was so shaky and scared and I felt really small in size like stature mm-hmm. and I realized I was splitting into a little self I was actually the little self was being activated right. I literally felt like I was smaller than I am in real size like it, it was yeah. this crazy sensibility that I had of this other self this little self that had been frozen in time for 20 something years and piece by piece I started to uncover memories that were just I mean the level like documentary level memories I mean stuff of horror films you just it doesn't happen to you right it doesn't happen to anyone you know it certainly doesn't happen to you and this the most profound thing for me was that I would have had a hard time believing it if I didn't have what's called body flashbacks. Mm. So I, they're like seizures in a way. So they're called convulsions, convulsion body flashbacks. And essentially my entire body would reenact what happened to me. I would feel the hits like inside myself, the thrust. I would feel burning down there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would my face would like contort into absolute agonizing terror. I mean, it would just overtake my entire body and I would, it was a word. It would be a word or a sound or anything. Smell. Smell, exactly. Smell would always trigger mine. Smell. Hey guys, so quick break. So if you came to my podcast launch back in August, you saw one of the vendor booths from the lovely ladies from Clone Apparel. The founder, Alex, was actually a guest on episode 10 darkness before dawn which was about suicide prevention they specialize in apparel for every booty men and women i can literally go from recording this podcast to the gym to picking up the kids from school and never have to worry about them moving scrunching and showing my booty they are squat proof moisture wicking and did i mention super affordable i'm talking nothing over 40 dollars. you can find them on facebook or on instagram at clone apparel That's K-L-O-N Apparel, and the link to their website is in the bio. If you use my discount code, candle in a dark room, one word, you will get 20% off. So make sure you check them out because I know you'll be obsessed too. Yeah, so so what became important for me, and, and obviously I could very clearly connect the dots as to why... I fight sexualized violence against small children because mm-hmm. there it was. I was yep. I was desperately trying to find myself and save myself, and I didn't even know where to look. I didn't know I needed to look because I didn't remember anything. Right. It was completely blocked out, and it was crazy because it was happening in, right around the time the whole Kavanaugh thing was going down. The Supreme Court justice who, oh, okay. and Trump tweeted out a statement that said. If her if her assault was so bad, she would have said something by now. I know. I and I, I can't. I can't even do. I would hear that. But it was something that was so profound to me because this is what people believe, right? Because it's it, like you said, it is like people truly uneducated do not understand. Like yeah, I have had people literally be like. How could you not like just go tell your mom? Well, how could you not tell your dad? He was a police officer. It sounds like you had a great childhood. Congratulations. Yeah, didn't. Exactly. Like, like, didn't know uh, I could tell someone because someone told me I was going to die. Well, and like you've even said, you, we talked about this the other day. No one asked. No one and asked. And so that's 
another big issue too is yes. nobody asked even though there were probably I'm sure 100% sure even if you don't remember there were signs yeah. and nobody asked yeah. and I know that for me too there were signs but nobody asked either they didn't ask because they didn't they kind of just like I had it. someone in the family who told the family that it was happening and they still and everybody like he was discredited by the person doing it mm. and everybody believed him right. over and I didn't even believe the person in my family who said that it happened to me because I didn't remember it. Right. So the 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 uneducated ignorance of a statement like, why wouldn't you just tell? It it literally shows the level of confirmation bias, personal opinion, absolute no authority on the topic whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I'm like. And where did where, what evidentiary findings yeah. <laughs> based you based this opinion or this is this opinion based in? Excuse uh -huh. me, and, and it's not. It's just in their head they decided based on their personal outlook on life that you should have told someone. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I wish I would have known that. <laughs> like it was that simple. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. So there's there's obviously a lot of misinformation. There's obviously a lot of just lack of education on it altogether so i'm so thankful to people like you who are using their story i'm obviously joined you in the front we have amazing people who are doing this now it's right. movements like me to help immensely mm -hmm. we also have to be cautious because falsely accused people right. don't deserve that either mm -hmm. and i always say if you have a daughter and she comes home and she says mommy i was raped what do you do when you have a son who comes home and says, Mommy, I was falsely accused, what do you do? Right. And also, I can't and I have tell both. You, so I, those are like both my worst fears. Both your concerns, right. right? And like the other thing too is this concept that it's only a women and girls issue. I no. know so many men and boys yeah. who have reached out to me, friends of mine, uh, people very close to me that are male that this happens to. Mm -hmm. This is this is an issue that doesn't discriminate. Right. And, and it is something that we absolutely must put a voice to but we have to do it in a candid way we have to make it where it's it, we're talking about it look i was i was sexually abused or like there's right. so many things about that and saying that stuff is so hard right. i couldn't even say the word rape after i was sexually assaulted for 10 months and when i finally said it, i wish i'd never said the word in my whole my whole body like went into panic yeah and now I can say all of this, and I'm so grateful to EMDR and anyone who even thinks that they could possibly potentially have blocked out memories, or even if you have your memories, EMDR is such a powerful tool to, to take away the emotional charge, to be able to speak about it. But also, it is so crucial to find those people. Somali's my hero. My girls are my hero. They showed me how to tell my story. I'll never forget when I finally told my story of the sexual assault for the first time. I've been coming to Cambodia for five years. Every time we're there, the girls get up. They're, I, we were rescued a 13-month-old child. Ugh, I can't eat. The, the guy had HIV AIDS, but because of the presence we have in the country, we were able to get her within 72 hours, get the mm -hmm. treatment for her. She has come back. All of her tests are negative for HIV. Thank God. But this is the, you know, this is going, you know, this is around the world. It's right. a global issue, um, trafficking, but also obviously the sexualized violence of children is so widespread. It's just unbelievable. Oh, it's so big. And honestly, that's why for me it was so important to do my podcast because child sexual abuse isn't talked about. It's so taboo. Yeah. And when I People get uncomfortable. I'm right, like, you get so uncomfortable? Imagine it happening. Right, exactly. <laughs> like and to you. <laughs> whenever I would like kind of share a story or even just bits and pieces, people would kind of 
open your eyes big like um I don't really know what to say to you right now yeah. you know that's, and that's why when finally I was like you know what nah, uh-uh, you got it. like I'm done like I'm gonna bring this up to the table and people are gonna hear it whether yes. it's through me or people like you or anybody else and we have the and only way it's ways gonna change. to do it where they can hear it we can meet them where they're at and right. I think that talking about the science of it talking about in a candid way mm-hmm. talking about I think from the standpoint of you know bringing in humor it, it, it's something that alleviates the pressure on the human that's trying their best to just disassociate mm-hmm. from what they're hearing and and look you know I think a big part of this is and I talk about this and I get some backlash for it and I don't care because I've you know outcast forever <laughs> but in nature well first of all lions don't have sex with lion cubs that goes against the biological order of things in right. nature right but let's just for all intents and purposes say that they do a lion cub that was sexually abused by a lion would run to mommy immediately right mommy would get little lion cub the fuck excuse my French, mm-hmm. away from that lion, and it would not happen again. Right. But in human society, because we tell the story of how terrible this is, the story of how terrible it is actually hurts us, the victims, right. because the predator knows it's terrible, so they have to groom you and make you ha- literally become a victim of slavery. I talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. slavery of the mind, so that they know they can coerce you into not saying anything. Right? A lion wouldn't have the wherewithal to right. groom a lion cub. Yeah. And and the, the reason for that, that I bring that up, is because the stories we tell. The stories we tell as society, culture, religion, parents, teachers, peers, they are very, very dangerous things. They mm-hmm. can be amazing things when we tell the story of human rights. But when we tell the stories that keeps victims silent, mm-hmm. and that includes the stories of how terrible rape is, it, it just is bad. You can, right. you, send, you feel it in the present moment. We don't need to talk about how terrible it is. We need to talk about it in general right. and what we can do to stop it. Let's not waste our energy on mm-hmm. labeling it. Let's, let's take the taboo off of it, not say, not say it's good or bad. Just say, let's fix it. Yep, let's, let's stop this. Let's, yeah. let's stop this. So five years in, I finally tell my story to my girls who get up and tell their stories all the time as young as three, four, five years old, they mm-hmm. will tell us their stories. They have had so much love and support peer-to-peer and from mm-hmm. Somali that they can vocalize and verbally say their stories. It's, it's remarkable, really. That's incredible. So I'm like, my friend stayed at my house, and I woke up, and he was doing this to me. And they're like, okay, sister, you were raped. Okay, you're okay. And I'm like, do I get a hug? <laughs> like, and I was literally like, like who's going to take care of me right now? I mean, I just like poured my guts out here. Oh, and what was so beautiful in hindsight, which is always 2020, as mm-hmm. they say, I was able to look back and what my girls gave me in that moment, which I didn't realize at first, was that they already knew I was okay. I was telling the story that I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. A dangerous story. Yeah, that I could have lived out for the rest of my life. And they already knew my story because they knew my soul. And they know that you cannot diminish a soul. Mm-hmm. You cannot diminish a spirit. Someone can paint trauma onto you. They can paint abuse onto you. They can paint you however they want. But that does not change who you are, the essence of you. 
right? And they saw the essence of me when I couldn't see it for myself, when I couldn't see anything but unworthiness and disgusting and gross and yuckiness Mm. and and I don't want to live anymore. I I don't deserve love. Love is gross. Don't try Mm. to fall in love with me. All of these these different themes that circled my world for so long. They were just like, no, sister, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and I am okay. And I was okay. I just didn't know it yet. Yeah. And, and you, listening, you are okay. We all, every single person on this planet, I say it all the time, every single person on this planet has felt pain. Yeah. Pain is relative. There is no measuring pain. Me being sexually abused as a child doesn't doesn't have to not feel just as bad as someone cheating on you or someone hurting you. Pain is pain. Right. No, there doesn't, measuring sticks don't do anything. But the way out of pain and the way away from fear is love. The way out of darkness is light. I love the name of your podcast. Thank you. It is so profound. Where light is, darkness can't be. Where fear is, where love is, fear cannot be. The, these things we hear and they sound lovely, but we don't always take them fully into ourselves and really internalize what it means. Right. I have had so much fucking fear mm-hmm. inside my body. So much pain perpetrated onto me. And I look at it now and I say, my love storm yep. <laughs> is bigger than your fear. Right. My light is brighter than your darkness. And, and what's so incredible in my mind, and I replay memories in, in treatment sometimes, and I go in and I just start shaking my head, and my, I, I bring my older self in to support my little self in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I look at this person who sexually abused me for all these years, and I just smile at him, and I'm like shaking my head just softly, like, no, you don't get to hurt me anymore. Yeah. You're not a monster. Whatever happened to you happened to you and I'm sorry that that took a precious little boy and turned him into the person that you became but you don't have any power your your fear and ability to cause pain is so tiny and pale in comparison to my infinite love and my infinite light and that is within every single person it's who we are when we come on this planet on day one as a little newborn it's why when my little brother was born i just burst into tears i was like why am i crying (laughs) i sound like i cry a lot i I actually well i think i do cry a lot (laughs) i'm a cancer crab i'm sensitive but i i was in the presence of absolute purity Mm -hmm. absolute love he was just perfect and we put these stories onto humans and we say you're a girl and that means this and you're a boy and that means that to be a man you have to be this and to be a woman you have to be that and and because you're a woman this is that and because you're a man and and it's crazy it's Mm -hmm. insane it's just a bunch of chain after chain after chain on the brain it is mental slavery we fight human trafficking in modern day slavery the UN says there's 45.8 million slaves in the world. I consistently say there are 7 billion slaves on this planet. You either have or will experience someone telling you you're not good enough, you're not enough. Mm-hmm. That is a chain on your brain. It's invisible. Sometimes you don't even see it yourself. And those are the hardest ones to break. But it is possible. Right. It is doable. And that's actually what we're launching. So yes. with Together One Heart and the Unleashed uh, project where are we are launching a campaign on January 11th 2020 so <laughs> and I am helping with this campaign actually I'm going to be um, in charge of the Salt Lake campaign and I am partnering up with all these ladies and I'm so excited and it's going to be amazing and like the t- what you said earlier the title is 
It's the Love Storm Tour. Get ready. We are going to storm this planet with love. Get rid of the fear and the darkness, and we are going to bring love and light, and it's going to be incredible. And And it's not like hippie tree hugging stuff, so anybody who's (laughs) all jaded and like middles me near to the sky, we're badass do-gooders. We're going to F shit up with love, and, and that is, you know, I think that that's a big part of this. I don't want people to feel excluded because they don't subscribe to the love and light. I, I look at me. I wanted to blow up traffickers until my girls showed me a different way. Right. So if you want to blow people up, come with, you know, come with all the love that's behind your desire to blow things we'll up. We'll figure and don't, the rest out later. And just don't do it. <laughs> blow it up with love. Exactly. But yeah, the Love Storm Tour, we're going to kick off. We're going to go to cities around the world and so amazing. I'm sure Desi will tell you all about it, but for now. For now, that's a, that's a you know, we're teaser. still figuring it out. That's the teaser. The rest <laughs> is, you know, in the works. Um, last thing really quick is I really, what resonated with me because our stories are very similar in our childhood trauma and our, we both have DID, which I've never met anybody else, um, which is disassociation disorder. And like she said, you know, when you dissociate and you reenact your abuse and you feel the pain physically, I would turn purple because I was getting punched in the stomach. I would stop breathing because I was in my head. I he was holding a pillow over my head. Yeah, um, my my neck started to my throat started to close up as it, with the rope that yes. I remember having around my neck, and it literally the rope lifted me up. Thirty one year old adult lifted me up and toppled me over backwards. Oh my gosh. This, and I literally, it's what, you know, the Catholic church is over there giving exorcisms, exorcisms back in the day. Yeah. Probably because some of their, you know. DID was coming through. Exactly. Yeah. They it now. Well, like, yeah. They're calling I, I, it a demon so that they are protected. It's, yeah. And I remember like even my therapist was like, you are literally sitting up. And I remember her telling me that I would just like fall to the ground as if like I was being held that happened down. And times. like my, I remember coming out of it and my wrists burning um, my like I said, I'm having pain. Like somebody just broke my ribs again, and it's a horrible disorder yes. to have. And to and have and not know what it is, it's, exactly. it can be so scary. I'm so lucky that I had done the research on neuroscience, and it is why it is one of my missions to educate on the science side of it, so you know you're not crazy. Yeah, that's another thing. Like the victims are already dealing with all this trauma, and then they think that there there's something wrong with them mm-hmm. in the way. And your body must do this. Do not shut this down. If it happens, yeah. I let it play out every single time because what's happening is your nervous system is resetting Mm -hmm. trauma is not the actual what happened to you uh that you have the cycles of trauma in the body is a survival instinct fight or flight Mm -hmm. you not being able to fight or flee trapped inside your body there's so much science on this we could do another podcast Uh, yeah we'll have to talk about that um and then like i said last thing is the thing that you said about apologizing to your little self yeah. I mean, you said that to us in the restaurant when we were talking about it, and I literally felt it to my soul because I'm just yes. like. And the funny thing is, I had I showed you, I wrote a message to myself on my page, um, a letter to my younger self is what I, I called it, it, and I have a picture of me as a little girl, and that I had to do that. I had to be like, I am sorry that I didn't take care of you the way I should have at that time I didn't and after know how. I didn't know how and now I'm sorry that I pushed you away and hated you yes. and wanted nothing to do with you and completely forgot about you basically yes. for the past almost 30 years until now and I think that's like I said what you said that day I just thought was amazing and I loved it's it it's been the most profound thing and for your listeners if you have a moment, if you're not driving, ideally, <laughs> and you're in a place that's safe, and you can close your eyes, 
and take a few deep breaths in and out and get a good visual of yourself at a young age. There's always a, a specific age that comes up for each individual of when things kind of changed and you weren't really in a you weren't really a kid anymore and you had to see things in the world. And if you can pick up that little version of yourself in your mind's eye and put him or her in your lap and look him or her in the eyes and say, I am so sorry for all of your pain. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry for every moment that you didn't feel safe. I'm so sorry that you might be still carrying that right now being played out inside of me. But I want you to know that I love you that you are so safe now and I am gonna do everything in my power to not let you feel pain anymore. And sometimes it'll happen, but every single time I'm gonna be there for you to support you. If you can do this with yourself, and again, it doesn't matter what the pain is, our inner child, our inner self needs to be validated. Mm -hmm. and, and when we validate it, that lets us let go of the story. Right. That means that we actually don't have to be perpetually victimized in the prison of our own. Because we're mind. acknowledging it. We're acknowledging it. We're we're bringing light to it. The darkness mm -hmm. goes away, mm -hmm. and the trust that you build with this beautiful little child inside you becomes this incredible relationship. And no matter where you go, you're no longer alone because you have you and her or him. And and I have many of them, obviously from dissociative identity disorder. I split a million times, but I have specifically I have four people inside myself. <laughs> My sister was like you sound like you're psychotic um <laughs> split personality <laughs> inside myself i check in with my six-year-old self my 13 year old self these are the really prominent mm -hmm. energies that had been trapped for a long time and then i created two future selves and like i i actually did a dear future self um oh, cool. uh, and i also did a a letter um because i used to do a, a blog and i did a letter to my future self and I said, you know, I hope that you're proud of me. I, I'm really trying really hard, and I hope that I make you happy. And, and I wrote back to myself now, and I said, you know, you had some struggles there, but you figured it out, and I'm so thankful to be who you made sure that I became. Mm -hmm. It's pretty beautiful on this side. Can't wait for you to get here. Uh -huh. and, and we don't realize. We go out and we build out all these relationships outside of ourselves, and we're constantly looking for validation outside of ourselves. And we had this beautiful opportunity to have an incredible friendship, an incredible mm -hmm. love relationship with the person inside of us, the little self, the big self, the future self, however many selves. I create armies of annelins. <laughs> when I go in my memories, I'll take, a, I'll take 30 annelins. And I'm like, who's got my little self? We're coming to rescue her. You, you, awesome. The world of your mind is remarkable if you yeah. let yourself actually see it. And our bodies want to heal if we get cut. The, the wound, you don't have to be like, okay, coagulate the blood, right. okay, scab over, and now we're going to need a little new skin. We really want to just clear all that up. You don't have right. to tell yeah. your cut that. Your brain wants to heal itself, but you have mm -hmm. to create a fertile ground for it. And if you can walk into your mind and, and be courageous, because sometimes it's scary, and look your little self, your medium-sized self, your mm -hmm. older self in the face and say, I'm scared too. Mm -hmm. And it, it is scary, but we can do this because we're together. Right. You have a family inside yourself, and it's kind of remarkable. Well, you are just incredible. I mean, <laughs> meeting you has been so amazing for so many different reasons. Like, just our conversations the last couple of days have been amazing, and I'm so excited to work with you with this love storm. <laughs> and 
I think it's just going to be incredible and you're amazing and you're changing the world girl and Yay. just keep doing what you're doing you guys you can find her on instagram at together one which the number one heart together one heart um she's also on ted talk and it is you can achieve it and then also her personal instagram is the annalyn mccord annalyn thank you so much for today and we are going to do this again so yes. <laughs> she will be back and we're going to talk more in the future about just kind of i would love to talk kind of the healing process and how everything for sure and if there. any of your listeners have you know questions or thoughts or comments and, and for me or you know for the science side of it or for anything that we talked about today you know i would love to for that to be a part of our future podcast to yes be able to maybe i'll engage. post like a thing and be like hey ask us any questions that would be really cool we could maybe even do a live i don't know something we'll do something yeah. to where we could answer questions for people so and join right. our love storm yes, in 2020 january 11th more to come about that um thank you guys for listening please follow my page at candle in a dark room and my